Our second reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Since, th since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high, high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So a number of years ago, I read a book by Max Lucado that had some pretty staggering facts in the midst of it. So while it's been maybe a couple of years, I don't think that probably these stats have changed that much. That according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching epic proportions. In a given year, nearly 50 million Americans suffer from the effects of a panic attack, from phobias, or other anxiety disorders. That anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one mental health problem among women, and it's the number two mental health problem among men, second only to alcohol and drug abuse. That the United States is the most anxious nation in the world. Way to go, us. I mean, yeah, yeah. The Journal of American Medical Association cited a study that indicates this exponential increase of depression, that people of each generation in the 20th century have been three times more likely to experience depression than those of every preceding generation. That citizens in our country, even though we find ourselves enjoying more tranquility and more than so many others, is that we find ourselves experience is that, that so many in other countries experience one-fifth of the anxiety that we do. What's interesting is that those same individuals from those that have so much less than us and those who come from these developing nations, when they move here as immigrants to the United States, guess what happens to them as well? <laughs> Somehow they catch the same problem. Their levels of anxiety and worry and depression somehow rise to meet our own. There's something about the pace of life, the way of life, the realities of way, the way that we live, that in so many ways continues to press in upon us. It's that it's not just adults, it's that youth. Psychologist Robert Leahy points out that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as most psychiatric patients in the 1950s. Even though they have more toys, more clothes, more opportunities, more opportunity to do what they desire and have all that is at their fingertips, they too feel that very pressure. And so in the midst of this world, we look around 
And we see so many reasons, so many causes, so many things that press in upon us of all of those cares and stresses and concerns that we find ourselves looking around in a world that so often we wish we had control of. Inflation, immigration, interest rates, Israel, so many different things that are there, and those are just the eyes. I didn't go through any of the rest of the alphabet. All of the concerns that we have, that indeed, as it says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? That we should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Indeed, what a friend we have in Jesus, one who comes with us and walks with us, one who invites us to indeed lay our burdens, our cares, our concerns down to turn to Him that we may lighten our loads. But how well are we doing? I mean, I don't know about your experience in school. But there was one thing that I always dreaded, I always hated, one thing that was always something very low on my list of things I ever wanted to hear from the teacher. Today we're going to start a group project. Can't you just let me do it alone? (laughs) No, you're going to pair up with somebody else. They're going to help you. Can't you just let me do it alone? (laughs) So often in this life, don't we have that very same approach, that we want to do it alone, that I've always appreciated one little account that came across my radar a number of years ago, whether it is fact or fiction, I don't know, but it proves a point. It's an interesting exchange between an insurance company and a construction worker. It goes a little something like this. That you said that, you, is that, uh, that I'm writing in response to your request concerning block number 11 on my insurance form, which asks for the causes of the injury, wherein I tried putting down trying to do the job alone. You said that you needed more information so I trust the following explanation will be sufficient. You see, I'm a bricklayer by trade, and at the date of the injuries, I was working alone on a job site, laying some brick on the fourth story. That I realized I had roughly about 500 pounds extra at the end of the job. So rather than walking them down hand, you know, just simply by hand, I went ahead and I put them in a barrel, attached it to the pulley system, and then I went down to the ground story to begin to simply lower it down. That at that point, I found myself that when I untied it, the rope holding it securely, that as you will note on block number six of the insurance form, I weigh 145 pounds. Therefore, due to the shock of being yanked off the ground by the 500 pounds of bricks in the barrel, I lost my presence of mind and I forgot to let go of the rope. Between the second and third floors, I met the barrel coming up. The accounts, this accounts for the bruises and lacerations to my upper body. 
So regaining my presence of mind, I held tightly to the rope and proceeded rapidly, rapidly upside the building, not stopping until my right hand jammed in the pulley, which explains my broken thumb. Despite the pain, I retained my presence of mind and held tightly to the rope, but at approximately the same time, the barrel hit the ground, at which point the bottom fell out. And now, devoid of 500 pounds of bricks, that C block number six of my weight, the 50-pound barrel now was much lighter. <laughs> As you guess, I began that rapid descent. In the vicinity of the second floor, I met the barrel coming up which accounts for my lower body injuries. Fortunately, when I landed on the pile of bricks at the bottom, the internal injuries were rather minor. That's then, at that point, I let go of the, the very rope, not thinking of the barrel that came crashing down, breaking my nose. That I hope that this now addresses your concern, but please know that I have learned my lesson that I'm not going to do the job alone. So the fact is, how often do we go about our lives as those who think that we are sufficient, those who think that we can do it all alone, that our God invites us, encourages us again and again. The very opportunity is there. The doors stand wide open. How do we find our prayer lives to be? Too often do they grow stagnant and routine. Too often do they grow to be those things that are simply here and there of rote repetition or those that only come when great need or great concern finally brings us. Do they often feel shallow, empty? But what is it that our God invites us to? What is it that our God comes and says this here? That in Hebrews chapter 4, that He invites us to those who come to a throne of mercy, a throne of grace, who come to a God who welcomes and invites, a God who forgives. We come to a loving Father. We do not come as guilty children who have broken mom or dad's favorite lamp. We do not come as those who spilled grape juice all over that brand new white couch or white carpet or whatever it is. Sure enough, we have every reason to know that we have failed and foibled and had all sorts of failings. But God does not care. He already knows it. But He is the one who not only invites, not only encourages, but He is the one who commands. That as Luther once said, that you must base your prayer on God's word and promise. Nay, not only that, but on His very own command and bidding. Come and say, dear Lord, you know that I do not appear before you on my own accord or on my own personal presumption or because of any worthiness in me. For if I were to look at, these, at those things, I would not dare raise my eyes to you or come up to you, for I would not know how to begin or where to pray, but I come because you yourself have bidden me. You have requested us to call on you and have promised us a hearing. Besides this, 
You have sent your one and only Son, who has not only taught us what we are to pray, but has spoken the very words for us. Therefore, I know that these prayers, such as these, please you, not because of a worthiness in me, but because of a worthiness in Him. That in Hebrews 4 today we hear those words, let us then draw near with confidence, with boldness, not as those who are afraid or worried about our guilt or our shame or all of those things that lie in our past. But we come not to a, th- law, a throne of judgment and law, we come to a throne of grace, a throne of mercy, a throne of peace. Now, what is the very picture that the author of Hebrews gives to us today? That we have indeed a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us therefore hold fast to our confession that for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but without sin. Now, what is the very image that is there? That Jesus Christ is the great high priest who has gone before the very Father. He gives us that image of the tabernacle and the temple. The holy of holies is that place and presence of God. And where does the author of Hebrews now encourage us to be? The place that only one person, one time a year, For just a brief moment of time on that single day of atonement, that God would have that high priest come into that holy of holies, that very presence of His very throne. And yet, what does the author of Hebrews now say? It is not by the blood of lambs, it is not by the very blood of goats, but it is by the very blood of Christ that we are now welcomed in. That God's throne of grace is not hidden away in a tent. It is not hidden away in some place that we are not allowed. That God's throne of grace is one that He welcomes and invites. He calls us to. Why? Because Christ is the one who has opened the gates. The one who has gone before us the one who gave us that worthiness, the one who has come to not simply invite or encourage, but even to command, because too often we feel unworthy, or we feel that because we can't give those flowery prayers that others do, or because of this or because of that, that our prayers may go unheeded or unheard, or because of some issue or some, some sin, that that is why. But what do we see? We see that Christ invites us to trust. Not only to trust in Him, but to trust that our Father is that loving Heavenly Father that welcomes us 
in. That too often we do not trust that our prayers go heard. We do not trust that God will answer our prayers the way we want Him or wish Him. And too often we get downcast and discouraged because we don't trust that God's answers are what is best for us. That if God does not answer our prayer in the way that we desire, or if God does not answer by taking it away, does not mean that He has not heard and has not answered. It means that what He desires is best. How do we trust Him? As Elizabeth Elliot once put it, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a set of different circumstances. Too often we think that somehow we need to be in some different place or some different time or somehow that prayer will just take away all these things. If we go to God in prayer, Because He invites us into His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, His peace. That we invite Him not only to draw us into those heavenly places, but that He might indeed invade these very earthly and sinful hearts. That He might come in and meet us where we are at. Where we find our needs, our concerns, that He might give us the trust that we may not go it alone, and that we may be reminded that He will never leave us or forsake us, that He is with us to the very end of the age, that how do we know, even when our prayers aren't answered of God's feelings towards us, look no further than that cross of Jesus Christ, that if you want to know how God feels about you, know how far He went make you His own. So may He continue to invite you again and again to that throne room of grace that you may find in Him all that is needful for your life. Amen.